You're listening to Whatever Happened To, the podcast that answers your burning questions about stories that dominated our news feeds only to fade from the spotlight and leave us wondering, whatever happened to? I'm your host, Gianna Gronowski. Water is life. Without it, we wouldn't last three days. But what happens when your source of life becomes the thing that's doing you the most harm? Three, two, one. With the push of a button, the water valve from Detroit was shut off. And the city of Flint's main source of water is now the Flint River. Eight years ago, word broke out from Flint, Michigan, a city located 66 miles outside of Detroit, that the water was unsafe to drink. Former Michigan Governor Rick Snyder appointed Darnell Early as emergency manager to help the city of Flint cut costs to remedy its financial crisis. An early decision made was to switch Flint's water source from the third largest freshwater source in the world, Lake Huron, to the Flint River. The move saved about $15 million, but the true cost was astronomical. When we heard it on the news that we might be drinking Flint water, might be going to that, we all thought it was a joke everybody knows how gross the Flint River is. I think there was a Guinness Book of World Records broken for how many shopping carts were in one body of water. And then when, and then when of course, the snow thawed, there was two bodies found in it. Melissa Mays has lived in Flint since 2001. A musical tour manager for bands and mom of three sons, as well as caretaker of her two-year-old niece, she led a busy life, too busy to be checking the news all the time. You know, there was like three boil advisories in the summer of 2014, and we didn't find out about it until after. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess we're okay, you know. Melissa said even though her family's water ran clear, the dangers were still very present. And there, we used to play this game, like, what's the smell going to be? Because it changed from day to day. Like, one day it would smell like chemicals. You know, one day it smelled like bleach. One day it would smell like feet. Like, literally feet. Melissa and her family then began experiencing health consequences from being exposed to the water. Now, in, during this time, 2014, I had a rash on my face that wouldn't go away. And if I tried to get different creams and lotions for it, because I was doing, you know, PR, so I needed my face to not look like I had leprosy. Right. And it was right on my cheekbone and it started peeling. I'm like, what in the world? So I'd get different lotions and creams and it burned me time I put anything on there, like a chemical burn. In September, Melissa said her middle child fell off his bike and splintered the two bones in his wrist. In the same month, her youngest son fell ill with pneumonia. So, you know, his pediatrician didn't even test him for Legionnaires. We were lucky because um, there's three different antibiotics that work. You know, luckily his pediatrician put him on one of them. The number of Legionnaires disease cases had increased tenfold since the switch to the river water. 87 people came down with it and at least 10 died, whereas not a single person had died of that disease in the five years before the water was switched. In January 2015, a trifold informational paper arrived at the May's home. Melissa said she wanted to throw it away, but something in her brain was telling her to read it. So I opened it up and it, you know, basically it said, and it was a ton of tiny print, lots of big science words, and that's not my forte, or it was not my forte at the time. Um, it said basically for the previous nine months, so since day one of the water switch, we had failed multiple Safe Drinking Water Act tests for disinfection byproducts. What was happening was that, you know, 
river water is extremely unstable. And also our infrastructure was crumbling because the water was more corrosive. It was more acidic. So it was actually eating our skin. Like the rashes my kids were having on their backs after getting showers and their shoulders and their legs. My, my niece, when I put her in the tub for a bath, her bottom would have a rash. And it was just, you know, like you couldn't understand it. So you start clicking all these things together and I'm like, oh my God they lied to me my doctor said look i i can tell you and i brought the notice in with me for my appointment and he said look i i can't tell you what that is and i, I can't i'm not going to be able to get up on the stand and testify that this is what's going on with your water and this is why but i can tell you right now this is poisoning you with the residents of flint discovering the truth about their water they demanded action march of 2015 the city council voted unanimously to go back to Detroit. We needed to get off the Flint River. It was too corrosive. It was not working out. People were getting sick. People were dying. And um, the emergency manager that was appointed by Governor Snyder said, that's inconceivable. It's too expensive. We're not going back to deal with it. And all the while we had been boiling it to try to kill the bacteria, we had no idea that we were concentrating the metals and releasing those disinfection byproduct gases into the air, into our homes. And so we were making ourselves so much worse. And so, you know, then all of a sudden we, I'm like, well, we have to start going to bottle water and nobody was providing, we had to buy it. So my husband and I used our tax return that year to buy tons of bottled water. Melissa and her husband started What Are You Fighting For? an activist organization striving to bring clean water to the people of Flint. You know, we did everything we could to make this a national issue to try to get the word out, because we thought naively that if the world found out that we were being poisoned, that we would get fixed. And unfortunately, that's not what happened. With the nation turning its eyes towards Flint, came thousands of people wanting to contribute in some way. And so, yeah, we had celebrities coming in. There was benefits for us. There was, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people that were making money off of us and it didn't make it to Flint. There was congressional hearings, which didn't lead to really anything um, as much as they had tried. They started making it a partisan issue instead of leaving it as a human issue, which is what it is. But then all of a sudden, just like COVID, <laughs> when you make a public health crisis a political issue, it just falls apart. But nothing lasts forever. After its time in the spotlight, Flint's coverage began to peter out. 2016, when everything started busting out, you know, filing these cases, criminal charges moving forward. And then, you know, like just, we started seeing some hope, you know, people caring and sending us water, but then, you know, Trump dominated the media. I, I remember I was standing outside of the state of the state address, um, which was gonna be the first time that Governor Snyder was going to be um, public and, you know, address and, you know, he was supposed to address Flint. And I was, um, you know, uh, with a couple of our state representatives had gotten me a seat up front for this, which was great. But I was standing outside to do a live interview before I went in and I got bumped because Sarah Palin endorsed Trump for president. Like, who cares? People are dying. <laughs> People are assuming, oh, well, media is gone and the state says everything's fine. I'm like, well, we still have completely corroded infrastructure in the ground, in the streets, in our homes. No, it's not fine. And I mean, we won't be fixed until that. Our water will not be safe until all of the corroded infrastructure, appliances and fixtures are replaced because they're gonna to continue to taint the water. So it's not just Flint and it's not just the state of Michigan. So we're still fighting, even though the media is gone, we're still fighting to get our water fixed so we can be safe in our homes. And not to mention, we pay the highest rates in the United States, eight times the national average. For several people, for people, for a lot of people, it's, you know, 150 dollars a month for water plus buying bottled water on top of it. I feel guilty every time my kids are suffering and going through physical therapy and, and you know struggling with their grades because I gave them the water instead of pop. 
just like the rest of the world, Flint was no exception to getting hit by the global pandemic. Then we have, you know, a compromised immune systems like ours. I got hit with COVID twice and I have a heart monitor and lung scarring and everything. And we've lost people like Tony Palladino this January. He died from COVID because our immune systems are just shot. We actually, for the longest time, had a 12 and a half percent case fatality rate for COVID. Then we're over here screaming, hey, things aren't better. And they're like, no, 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 the state who, you know, who did this to you, uh, the state says you're fine, so you're fine. And no, that's not true at all. And then as I offer people, I'm like, hey, if you want, you can come take a shower at my house. You can come smell this water. The residents of Flint have yet to receive justice. After being replaced in the news cycle, the momentum has seemed to die down. It's just harder because obviously I don't have a major news network for me to, you know, get out there and say, you know, and say stuff. So it's, you know, and then you've got COVID and then you've got the war. So yeah, we just kind of fall by the wayside, even though our progress and our crisis has helped protect so many other people. There's other cities getting their lead service lines replaced far faster than us. The residents were able to catch this before it became as bad as it is in Flint. And so we've helped a lot of people and we're happy for that, but we're still not fixed ourselves. So, you know, I mean, people still aren't sitting in jail. There's no justice. Our pipes aren't replaced. Uh, one of the other um, requests, the third um, demand from Flint residents is to re refund our poison water bills since they the water switch, because nobody should be forced to pay for a poisonous product, but yet here we still are. You have to pay your, or you're gonna get your water shut off, and then how are you gonna wash your hands in the middle of a pandemic? We, we've won a lot of battles, that's the thing. Flint has made history with our Safe Drinking Water Act case. It's the first time that residents sued a government and actually forced them to, you know, to replace infrastructure. The lead and copper rule and Safe Drinking Water Act don't cover the distribution mains in the streets or interior plumbing. The civil cases, you know, it's the first time that there's been a settlement going into the works, which is taking forever. Residents have sued a government and won. So we have made history in a lot of ways. And yes, we've forced change across the board, but we're still living on bottled water. Melissa says the takeaway for people outside of Flint is that the fight's not over. She invites people to visit Flint, Michigan, and hear the real stories from its residents. Come visit. I mean, don't stay in the hotels here. You know, don't stay, don't drink the water, but come visit because we actually have a great city and our city is absolutely worth fighting for. And, you know, come meet with us. We're happy to help. But also know that, you know, we've done a lot. Our suffering has done a lot to change things to protect other people, but other, everyone else, they need to know that this can happen to them. You know, it was policy decisions, switches being flipped, um, voices being ignored. This can happen to anyone anywhere, no matter what your income level is. Flint has been the start of, you know, housing rights, civil rights. There's been so many movements started here. The unionization, you know, movement started here in Flint. So we say, as goes Flint, so goes the world. So don't think it can't happen to you and don't think it's just Flint. The Flint water crisis just passed its 3,000 day mark since the water was poisoned. Flint residents still need bottled water, filtration systems, and donations to help them survive. Melissa also asked for people to keep up the pressure, keep tweeting, and to keep the conversation going. Flint's not over. The water crisis is coming up to eight years on April 25th. And, you know, if we don't get fixed properly, this is going to continue to happen to other cities and no one's going to get fixed properly. And we're all going to be living like Flint. So for the people of Flint, Michigan, despite being forgotten, this is one news story that has never gone away.
For more information on Flint's ongoing crisis and to learn about ways you can help, please visit www.whatareyoufightingfor.com. Thank you.